I got news for you, Samantha. Time takes care of a lot of things. Well, amen. I, I hope it does a little bit. I would like to be a little bit bigger because it's so cold outside today. That would help out a lot right now. But I am so honored to be here with you all this morning. I'm excited about the word that God has for you guys this morning. So if you will, let's go ahead and get into it. If you'll turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. I want to thank your pastor and his wife for having me in this awesome praise and worship band. Oh, I love them. I think they are incredible. You are so incredibly blessed by your worship team and your leadership. So I know that you can feel that and know that, but I just want to remind you this morning. Well, I also want to say this. I usually love to preach messages that are those kind of shout the house down, run around, get excited kind of messages. But God has really been dealing with me about something. And so I would like to share from my heart this morning about what God's been dealing with me about. So if you will, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. It says, Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you so much for who you are. And today we have come in this house to meet with you. We have come in this house to encounter you and what you have to say. Not what a man or a woman has to say, but what you want over your people. God, today use me. Let chains truly be broken. Let discouragement fall off of people that's been on there for so long. God, I pray against every hindrance the devil would put up against people or put in this atmosphere. God, we break it right now in Jesus' name. And we stand here today waiting for your voice in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I believe there is something that has happened in the body of Christ. And I think that there is a spiritual attack. I will tell you that spiritual attacks are real. We get attacked physically, but spiritually there are things that come against us. And I believe we're living in a time where discouragement, the spirit of discouragement is starting to engulf the people. We are slipping into a place where we are becoming disabled and it's debilitating us from doing the work that is set before us. And someone texted me a little while ago, and they, they were talking to me about discouragement, and they said, if someone is discouraged, they become dissatisfied, then they become disinterested, then they become disengaged, then they become disgusted, then they get disconnected, and before you know it, they're a distant memory in the body of Christ. And so we've got to cut this thing. We've got to nip this thing in the bud. Think about it. Some of you used to be faithful workers in the church, and now you have a hard time even getting here. Some of you used to be here all the time doing all kinds of stuff in the church, and now you struggle to even be here on Sunday morning. Discouragement is designed by the devil to make us 
quit. But I just want to take a minute and let's praise the Lord because we must be pretty close to something if the devil's right here on us so strong. Amen. Amen. We must be pretty close to what God has for us if the devil is fighting us so hard right where we are. So this morning, I'm just here on assignment to come against this spirit of discouragement, to come against. I need some people who are sick and tired of being sick and tired. I need some people who say, I will not be a quitter. I will not give up. I will not get out of the fight. I'm going to keep going. I need some of those people to get with me and say, let's do some spiritual warfare this morning. Amen. Amen. Are you ready? Amen. Well, I love this scripture because if you look at the verse we just read, you'll see in the Bible that it shows there is a great army surrounding the man of God. Now, he was the only one of the most important anointed people of that time. Elijah was. And what happened is... As he was standing there, they were all surrounding him and coming after him. And what I want you to realize from this is what is anointed will be attacked. Whatever is anointed in your life will be what the devil is after. If you are anointed to do children's ministry, you will find the greatest strife and the greatest struggle is in with the children's ministry. It seems everything is coming against you. Everything is fighting against you in that area. You're probably called to that area. You're probably designed to be in that place because you see he wants to discourage you in where you're most effective for the kingdom he doesn't care how great and how nice our programs are but he does care if there are people who are anointed and called to be in that position and working in that position he knows if God has a call on your life and he has designed you to do that that he can't stop you if you go full force for it and so that's where he is going to begin to attack you but you see the devil messed up when he attacked Elisha because before Elisha ever operated in what he was called to do before he even spent his days proclaiming the word of God he was plowing the field pushing and plowing pushing and plowing every day the same thing Every day, whether the sun was shining or the rain was pouring, he was plowing. On days he felt like plowing, he plowed. And on days he didn't feel like plowing, he plowed. When people were patting him on the back, he plowed. And when nobody even knew he was plowing, he was plowing. And you say, what in the world does that have to do with the call of God on his life? Well, see, what he was doing is, you remember on the Karate Kid where the guy said, wax on, wax off? He was teaching him something for when he was going to be in the fight. He was preparing him for when he got in the heat of the battle. And that's exactly what God was doing with Elisha. He was teaching him how to keep doing the same thing over and over again, even when nobody noticed him, even when nobody patted him on the back and said, you're doing great, you should keep doing this. But he was creating in him some spiritual stamina. And right now that's something that we lack so heavily in the body of Christ is spiritual stamina. Like I said earlier, we can't get people to come to church but two times a month. You know, that is now the regular church attender. If you attend church two times a month, 
Why is that? Because we think we don't need it. We don't think we need to come here, but we can't walk from Sunday to Wednesday without dropping out of the fight. We can't drop, we can't walk just a little ways without dropping out. That's why church is here. So we can encourage each other to keep on plowing, to keep on doing what we are called to do. When I was five years old, I started a dance class, and it was exciting and new, and I loved it. You got new outfits, and everything was just exciting. Well, I remember when I got in there pretty soon, I realized that you have to practice a lot, and you're going to have to do a lot of things, stretch, and there you're going to have to follow all these rules. And I went to my mama, and I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be a part of this class. And she said, that's okay. You don't have to sign up next year. She said, but you will finish out this year. And I remember sitting there thinking, I was so mad. I said, this isn't fun anymore. Why do I have to do something that isn't fun anymore? Why do I have to do something that isn't making me feel good anymore? Why do I have to do something that I used to like, but now I'm done with it? Why can't I just be done with it? But you know what my mama was doing? She was creating some stamina in me. She knew there was going to come some times when I didn't want to do things in life, but I was going to have to do what we call fix your face, fix your attitude, and get back in there and do it anyways. Amen. Amen. She knew there was going to come a time when life was going to get hard and I was going to be faced with everything that could come against me. And I was going to have to do like that scripture said. When you've done all things to stand, therefore stand. She knew that scripture didn't say, therefore sit down, therefore stop, therefore quit. She knew that scripture said, therefore stand. And if I wanted to see something happen in my life, I was going to have to stand when I didn't feel like it. Oh, we need some spiritual stamina in the body of Christ again we need some people who have the strength to stand even when they feel they cannot look at our relationships our divorce rate is so high because we can't we don't have the stamina we don't have the fight we're ready to put down the plow if somebody looks at us wrong and gives us a little attitude in our ministry we're done we're gonna quit we're finished did you see how they looked at me up there I'm telling you they don't like me now they could have just been having a bad day but you're ready to be done because we have no stamina we have no idea that I will take a licking and keep on ticking that's what I'm gonna do it doesn't it doesn't matter. I'm just going to fulfill the mission and the call of Christ on my life, whether people are for me or against me. We need to pick up the plow and begin to just plow again. Amen. 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 But not only was God creating spiritual stamina in Elisha, but he was also teaching him how to produce fruit. We see Elijah might not have been where he wanted to be. It's discouraging to have a vision of God and know where you want to go, but not be there. To be stuck in the back of nowhere. And you can get real discouraged, but instead of just getting discouraged, Elijah was working on his fruit. You're known by what you produce. Think about it. If you look at the trees that we go outside, we call them an orange tree and an apple tree. We identify them by what they produce, and you are identified by what you produce. So my question is, what are you producing? The Bible says what you should be producing, and that is this. 
You should be producing love, joy, peace, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit. This is what you should be producing. And you know, a lot of times in church we get all riled up. We love to get excited and shout and praise. And I love that too. That's one of my favorite parts. But we forget that one of the most spiritual aspects of our life is the content of our character. That's what we're supposed to be working on. That's what we're supposed to be fixing and trying to get happening in our lives. That is what is supposed to be being produced out of our life. Think about your character for a moment. I want you to think about which of these fruits that you lack. I can tell you which one you lack based on the excuses you make. Because, see, if you come up to me and you say, well, I just don't, I just don't have a lot of patience. I have a short fuse, and I can't help that. That was just how I was made. No, that is not just how you were made. That is not just how you were created. You see, we are given gifts of the Spirit, and those are a gift to you. You don't have to work for them. You don't have to fight for them. They're given to you. But a fruit of the Spirit is grown in your life. You have to cultivate. You have to till the ground. You have to do things to get these things to produce in your life and so if you want to be a person of joy of peace of patience of kindness of self-control you have to begin to produce that in your life God doesn't just say, okay, today you will have joy. No, you can have joy. That can be a moment. But to produce the fruit of joy, you have to cultivate it in your life. And to cultivate something means you have to plow. And plowing is not fun and it's not something that we want to do. And like I said, plowing can get discouraging, and that's why you come here. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because you need encouragement for the plowing. Because pretty soon, if you just keep doing it and doing it, you'll want to give up, and you'll want to get out of it. And the, the desire to quit will become greater than the incentive to keep going, and you'll drop out quickly. Make sure you do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Let's look back at this scripture the Bible says that the enemy surrounded the city. And when the servant looked outside, he could see it was unbelievable what was before him. He believed there was no hope. There was nothing he could do. What was he going to do? He was one man, and he had one other guy with him with this huge army surrounding him. And discouragement does that. When you look at the things around you, think about your life, what's going on right now. Maybe your finances, your struggles with your finances are greater than you can deal with. And you think, there's no hope. There's no use. I don't know what I'm going to do. Or maybe your children. Or maybe your children are lost and in the world. And you're thinking, there's no hope. There's nothing I can do. I don't know what to do. Maybe you feel that way in your mind and in your heart. That's discouragement. That's what that is when you believe that there is no hope and there's nothing that you can do. And you see, he was surrounded by hostility. And in our world today, we are surrounded by hostility. There's an atmosphere of where we want to fuss and argue about everything. You have to be so careful what comes out of your mouth. Everything that comes out of your mouth because it can offend somebody in some way that you did not know it could, and it will. And you will be in trouble, and people will be angry at you for it, and they will fuss at you for it. And what I've realized is we love to talk about issues but we very rarely do anything about those issues. We love to talk about things, but we don't like to ever achieve anything. 
And that's a breeding ground for discouragement. Just talking about something and never seeing it change is a breeding ground for discouragement. Think about Adele, I hope you guys don't have any connection to these things, but CNN or Fox News or any of the other ones you can think of. I don't, if you love them, I'm so sorry, but I hate them with everything within me. If they come on in the house, I say, turn that off. Please turn it off. Because you know what they do? All they do is bicker back and forth. Bicker, bicker, bicker. Everything. One of them will call and they'll, they'll say, this guy, this congressman had on a red tie. And red means this to this people. And then the next one will get on there and be like, that wasn't red, that was burnt orange. And burnt orange means this to this people. And they will argue back and forth and back and forth. And you know what? They will talk about every issue in politics. They will talk about every issue of America. But are they going to do anything about it? No. All they're going to do is sit on that television and talk about it and create hostility and argue. And then when they get done arguing about that, they're going to argue about something else. And that is the breeding ground of discouragement. Arguing and arguing and arguing and never doing anything to affect change or never seeing anything happen. Think about Facebook. I love Facebook. It can be used for such a positive thing. But think about what it does. Have you ever seen a post and you thought, I disagree with that? And you politely, you, you wrote a polite but a little bit of a degrading message to somebody else on Facebook. You wrote it just a little bit. You, you were trying to get your point across, so you just kind of said it. It was a little bit condescending. And then that person that you wrote it to text you, wrote you back and said, oh my goodness, you have enlightened me and now I will change my ways because of what you have said to me. <laughs> never, never in the history of Facebook has that happened. You know why? Because all we do is we post something on there because we want to talk about it and we want to get angry about it and we want to say how we feel about it and you say how you feel about it and we just argue back and forth and nothing ever happens and we wonder why we're so discouraged. How about those passive aggressive posts that we put on there? Somebody says something to you you don't like and they're your friend and you don't go to them like the Bible says. You go on Facebook and you say, oh my goodness, how, how I have so many two-faced friends. Hashtag, I'm an overcomer. Hashtag, love your enemies. Hashtag, be praying for me. How many times have we seen a post like that on Facebook? How many times have we posted something on Facebook like that because we got angry at somebody? And instead of handling the issue, we go on something that will only create discouragement in our life. Because that person isn't going to respond because they don't know if that's at them or somebody else. And they don't want to look guilty, so they're not going to say anything. But all your friends will get on there and tell you how you're right and how you're good. And then all you're going to do is just feel like, well, I did something, but you never handled anything. The Bible says go to that person. Talk to that person. We would deal with a lot of problems in our life if we would just go to the person. Why? Because that produces fruit. That heals relationships. Amen. That fixes things. The devil doesn't want you there, so he's just going to get you bound up in something that you're just going to talk about and talk about and end up in a discouraging spirit and wonder how you got there. We've got to learn to focus on things that produce fruit. Amen. Your atmosphere is important, which is also why I said something about hostility being in our atmosphere. We create hostility a lot of times in our atmosphere and the flu was going around really bad y'all remember that epidemic of the flu that was happening and we were in my church office and 
Every time somebody would come in, we'd be real nice, and we'd say, well, hello, how are you? Come on in. We'd love on them. And then pretty soon, when they walked out that door, we would take that Lysol because it, can, it kills 99.9% .9 of germs in our atmosphere. And so we would start spraying everything. Everywhere they walked, everywhere they were, we'd spray ourselves where we hugged them. I mean, we were spraying everything. Why? Because it kills what could harm us in our atmosphere. And we'll do that with sicknesses and things like that. But my question is, what about when people bring, when you and your husband are arguing in your house? How many times have you been arguing this week? How many times have things come into your house or things on your TV that is negative, that is getting in your atmosphere? We've got to start releasing some spray, some spraying some disinfectant out of our mouth when that happens. And we've got to start just singing some song, anything. You say, look at here, I feel that this is starting to create negativity in this atmosphere. Let's change it. Let's start singing this joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. This joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me. You know, and I started singing that song one time when this happened and I thought, well, the world isn't the one that's trying to take it away right now. So I started saying, well, this joy that I have. Angry church people didn't give it to me and angry church people can't take it away. Start putting some names in those songs. Start addressing those things. Start saying this joy that I have, discouragement didn't give it to me and discouragement can't take it away. We have got to start disinfecting our atmosphere. Watch what you're saying. Watch what you're doing because you're releasing things into your atmosphere that are bringing you into this place of discouragement. Amen. You need to start covering your family and more than just antibacterial hand sanitizer and vitamin C. When they walk out the door, start speaking encouragement over their life. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are chosen by God. You are a part of a royal priesthood. Begin to speak that over them. That is what's going to help them spiritually. Sometimes we forget that this thing is spiritual and not just natural. Protect your family. Protect your household. You want to fight something? You want to get angry about something? Start fighting the devil. Start fighting a bad attitude. Fight the demonic forces that are keeping your children in bondage. Fight depression. Fight anxiety. Fight your fears. Stop fighting your husband and start fighting your own insecurities that is causing you to fight with your husband. Start addressing spiritual things that need to be dealt with because this is all a spiritual fight. And we're fighting carnally, and that is not what it is about. And you may say, I hear preachers say all the time, take back your joy. you got to take it back. And we leave out this place, oh, I've taken it back. I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what the devil stole from me. And you're still just as depressed, and you're still just as worn out and tired, and you're just saying it out your mouth, and you look like death warmed over because you are just so depressed. Well, that's because just saying it is not going to affect anything. You know, what happens is it does change your atmosphere, but it does not change what's going on in you. Have you ever had somebody say, I got to go on a diet? 
I want to go on a diet. I'm going to go on this diet or this diet. And they're telling you all this. And they've been telling you this for weeks and they still haven't gone on that diet. They've just been talking about it and talking about it. But until they start changing their portions, until they, until they start cutting out some junk, until they start exercising regularly, they're going to be in the same position they were. And that's how it is with taking back your joy or taking back your peace. If peace... Whatever's been worrying you in your mind, you need to start taking those thoughts captive and start saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to think like that. I'm going to give this thought to the Lord, and I'm going to start walking in my peace, and I'm going to start focusing on the fact that God gives me my peace. I'm going to turn my eyes towards Jesus. That's what you have to begin to do. Look for things that you can do to make other people joyful if you don't have joy. One thing that I do... In ministry, you get depressed a lot. It just happens. It's something that comes against you. And so if I ever start feeling that feeling of depression or discouragement, what I'll do is I will find five people to encourage that day. Just some crazy way. Whatever I can do. If you ever get your mind off of yourself, then pretty soon you'll start feeling better. You'll start feeling that joy come back in you when you get your mind off of yourself. And like I said before, discouragement is more contagious than the flu. And you can tell people who are discouraged because what they'll do is they just cough up discouragement randomly. You can be having a normal conversation and they're like, well, you know that'll never work. Well, you know that's just, that's just not going to happen. I, just, I know that that sounds good, but it won't. I had people tell me so many times that I was walking and um, they said, well, you just look so happy. You just, you just are always so happy. And they said, but one day you'll learn. One day people will show you. You'll figure it out. And I remember that hurt me. That hurt me so bad. And somebody else came up to me and they said, you look so happy. They said, you're so happy. I just want to make you angry. They said, they said, it's just like they were offended that I was happy. And I thought about Shama and his pea patch. And I thought, this is fruits of joy that I have cultivated and I have worked on and I have fought for. Don't you touch my joy. Don't you touch my peace. Don't you mess with the fruit that I have cultivated because you can have what God God has given me. It's like that wisteria plant. It looks beautiful. Have you ever seen wisteria? It's that purple flower. I always loved it. I thought it was gorgeous. But if it ever gets close to a tree, that beautiful thing will begin to suck the life out of it. Don't you let that plant suck the life out of your tree. You pluck it up before it gets a chance to get a hold of it. That's what we have to begin to do. We cannot let the devil take our joy and our peace and our fruits that we have been cultivating. Now, I'm not going to keep you too much longer. I know I already have, but I really just want to share this with you. I read a scripture the other day that I've read so much of my life. I've read this a hundred times. And it was when Paul was at the end of his life and he was speaking to Timothy. And he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Now, we know that scripture. We've heard it a hundred times. But what I didn't realize is that he said things like, I've fought, I've finished, and I've kept. You know, I would just think Paul would be like, well, it's been a glorious life here on earth. Let me just be ascended into heaven now because it's been so wonderful, but I will receive the glories that are here to come. No. 
He said he fought. That means it was something to fight and that he got weary and he got tired and he probably wanted to give up a thousand times, but he fought anyways. And he finished. He finished. It was something that it was a process and it was a road he had to walk on and he might have been to the place where he thought, I can't do this anymore, but he finished it anyways. And he kept. He kept the faith. He didn't let go of it. He didn't quit with it. And I think about that. That means that we'll probably face that place where we have to fight finish and keep and we have to walk through things with those words and discouragement is real like I was telling you before I've been there I've been there unbelievably with the things of this life just recently I went through this thing where I was struggling so bad everything within me seemed like it was failing everything I put my hand to seemed like it wasn't working anymore and I had the urge in my mind the devil would just speak to me and he'd say just quit it'll be easier it'll be easier just give up ministry give up all this clearly God doesn't want you to do this anymore because he's not he's not letting it flourish he's not letting things happen and I was listening. I thought, I know this is the devil. I know this is the devil, and I would fight it, and I would fight it. But quitting sounded so good. Giving up sounded so much better because I was in so much pain. People were leaving. People were walking out. People I had trusted could not be trusted anymore. And I was thinking, what is happening? What is going on? And I was in such a place of despair. And I remember I still loved God with all of my heart. And I sat, stood up there on the platform that day. And uh, God, I mean, he came in. I could tell he was trouble in the waters. And pretty soon people were in the altar being touched and ministered to. And I was so grateful for what was going on. But I stood up there and I said, God, I need something from you today. I need something. I said, and if you don't. If you don't show anything to me, if you don't speak to me, then I'll know you want me to quit. I'll know you want me to give up. I'll know that's what it was, that this was just for a season, and I'll just give it up and throw in the towel. See, discouragement doesn't play. It doesn't have to be reasonable. It doesn't have to be logical, and it probably won't be, but it will be there just lying to you and telling you things. I remember God touched everybody in that house that day but me. He did not speak to me one time. And I was standing there, and I walked over, and I sat down, and I said, Okay, God, this is what you want. And right before I could sit myself in that seat, and I even saw him touch people that he has touched people a thousand times. And I know that they come down to the altar, and I was grateful for them, but I thought, God, you touch them every week. I'm asking for one thing, one thing. And he came, and then all of a sudden I sat down, and this woman walked over to me, who never comes over to me to speak to me, and she said, i got to tell you something. She said, God's dealing with me to tell you something, and I want to. She said, he said, you're on the right track. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't give in. He said, your joy has been given to you. Take it back. He said, I gave that to you. You take it back. And he said, and when you have no strength to stand, no, I am standing for you. I am with you. And I don't give up on you. Amen. That day, that day changed everything. That day I knew where I was supposed to go. It was as if that Elijah, she was that Elisha who came to me and said, greater are those that are for you than those that are against you. Do not worry about it. Amen. Even if you cannot see them, the Bible says that we have so great a cloud of witnesses. And sometimes I have to think about it. Like I'm standing in the middle. I'm just standing there and they're looking at us and they're saying, keep going. 
scripture. Many are they increased that trouble me. Many there be which rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head. I laid me down and slept and awake, but the Lord sustained. He sustained me. Amen. He sustained us. Hallelujah. 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 I'm here to tell you today that he doesn't just have saving power. He has sustaining power. When you feel like you can't make it, he can make it through you. Will you stand to your feet with me? Amen. Amen. I want to share one last thing with you about what that woman did. I think about it so many times. I was carrying a little four-year-old girl. I love this little girl so much. And she was sitting there and she was just telling me all that, something super important to her. And she had my full attention. And she was sitting, we were sitting right there. And a man came up to me and started to speak to me. And I turned my face away from her and started listening to him. And as I did that, she took both of her little hands and put it on either side of my face and turned my face back to her face and finished her conversation with me as if he was not even there. And I thought about it when Miss Charisse, which was the lady's name, who spoke to me, did she change my circumstances? No. Did she change what was around me? No. She didn't change that people had hurt me or the things that they had said. She didn't change any of that. All she did was it, it was as if she put her hands on either side of my face and turned it back to Jesus. And Jesus said, look, I'm not finished talking to you. You started listening to something else, but I wasn't done with what I had over your life. I wasn't done speaking to you. And today, today, if you are walking in that discouragement, God wants to take his hands and turn your eyes back to him. He wants to turn your face back to him. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? If there's anybody in here, I won't embarrass you. I won't make you do anything crazy. I just want to pray for you because I know where you are. If you say, I'm discouraged, I've been feeling that same way you've been feeling. I've been hurting like that and I just don't know what to do. I felt kind of hopeless. I know the truth. I know who God is, but I can't get this hopeless feeling out of my spirit. I am discouraged. Would you slip your hand up? Anybody in here, I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. God sees those hands. And today, I believe he wants to turn your face back to him. Because discouragement has been speaking into your life. The things of the enemy have been speaking to you. And unintentionally, you've turned your face away and have listened to him. Today, God wants to turn your eyes towards him. If anybody in here says, I want to come down to this altar, I need prayer. I need prayer. I need the encouragement. This altar is open right now. If you raise your hand, nobody's judging you. If they're judging you, they've got to judge me because I said I was in the same position. If you say, God, today I want prayer, would you come up to the front right now? Anybody who says they're discouraged, amen. 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 Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. I believe that God is going to set you free today. Set you free. Amen. Amen. God is turning some eyes back to him. There's an old song we 
used to sing in church that said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Today, we are turning our eyes upon Jesus. Amen. Amen. Some prayer warriors would come up and help me pray.